0: You are listening to The Hodges Huddle, where we discuss all things in the wide world of sports. Here's your KLSU sports
1: team. Welcome into The Hodges Huddle. I'm your host, Andre Champagne, and today I'm joined by Andon Brabham and Jaden Smith. How are we doing, guys?
0: I'm doing great, man. Uh LSU and the Saints won this weekend. So yeah, I'm in really good spirits. Yeah, it's a good week of ball, man. It was a good week to be a football fan, no matter who you're a
2: fan of.
1: Yeah, you guys are right. Uh we just wrapped up week five of the NFL and week six of college football. So let's jump into it. This weekend, LSU defeated Missouri by a score of forty-nine to thirty-nine in another shootout. LSU's defense this week gave up five hundred twenty-seven yards total, but the saving grace for LSU was number five. Let's talk about him to start off. Should Jaden Daniels be talked about more in the Heisman race? This is kind of just a national story right now, so I'm going to start with you, Jaden.
0: I think absolutely, man. Uh, this guy's continued to show week in and week out that he's made the adjustments from last season. He has the numbers to back it up. I think he's thrown for nearly 2,000 yards on the season, which is third in the country, 19 touchdowns, second in the country. Um, just two interceptions, 422 rushing yards, so he's still getting it done on the ground as well. And four rushing touchdowns to show for it as well. and Plus, he's doing it in the ACC, so you always get a little bit of bonus points, I would say, for doing it in this conference. So, yeah, I feel like absolutely, man, especially looking at his numbers compared to all of the other so-called Heisman candidates, I don't see how why he wouldn't be in that discussion.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's the only reason he's not in the discussion is something that's not even in his control, which is the fact that LSU has lost two games already this year. I think if – You know, you change some things around. You put Jaden Daniels in a different uniform, still having the same numbers on a a team with a better record. He's leading far and away the Heisman race because he is unbelievable, man. And last week, I feel like he had a Heisman moment. The toughness that he showed after taking that hit in the end zone and coming back on the next drive and leading LSU down the field when you needed it. That was showed a lot of toughness and a lot of heart.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of going to piggyback off of what both of you guys said. I think what Jaden Daniels is doing week in and week out, like with what he's doing and with that, like you said, Jaden, against good competition, it should not be underlooked in any way. Yeah. He's third in the country, like Jaden said, in passing yards and first in the country in total yards for a quarterback. What people really aren't talking about either is, like Anden said, his toughness. The kid has heart. And he plays with that every single week. You saw him against Ole Miss with scratches all over his face after the game. Yeah. And then you saw the same thing last week against Missouri where he's got, you know, wraps and ice and all yeah. over all over the place. And so that's just a guy you really want to play uh, for you on the team. And, and he's going to be a great pickup for an NFL team come April next year. So with the way that he's kind of been performing, how has this kind of shaped his draft stock, do you think? And what kind of pick do you kind of see him? I know it's early, but just kind of talk about how his play is going to – you know, really speak for herself.
2: Yeah. I mean, we kind of talked about this earlier today off camera. But um I see Jaden Daniels as a late first round if he tests well, but he'll definitely be an early second round guy. I don't see him getting past the first two rounds of the NFL draft, man. I think he'll test well because he's a phenomenal athlete. And I think that the tape will show that he's a mature decision maker who doesn't make mistakes, who will make the play who will make not necessarily the highlight play, but will always make the winning play. And I, I think that'll see him – that'll put him in a good light with NFL scouts.
0: Yeah, I agree. I'm going late uh, late first, early second. And at first I was a little bit worried before the season really got underway just because I really like Jane Daniels as a quarterback, man. I really like him for this team and for this fan base. So I was really just interested to see where he would stack up, especially against all this other quarterback talent in this draft coming up. But I think the way he's playing this season and the way that I believe he's going to continue to play, he's going to play himself into a big payday, a big nice contract, and into a late first-round, early second-round pick.
1: Yeah, I'm going to agree with both of you guys. I, th- I think with the way that Jaden has kind of been playing, I think he's building his draft stock up each week, and yeah. it's going to only get better. Yeah. Um. I think right now he's, like you guys said, a late first-rounder, but that could easily go to a top-three quarterback in the draft yeah. if he keeps it up, in yeah. my humble opinion. Yeah, I, think. Plus. I know it's a stacked quarterback room, yeah. but like I said, what he's doing right now with the talent he has, yeah. just imagine that in an NFL scheme where kind of quarterback play has gone to his style of play, in yeah. my opinion. So yeah. I think he just fits well in the NFL. Yeah, and Absolutely. even outside
0: of that, I just think Jaden Downs is what a lot of these scouts are looking for, a quarterback mm-hmm. that can extend plays outside of the pocket and get it done with his legs on the ground. And he's just really, really athletic, somebody that I'm pretty sure he's going to test pretty well come combine day. So you know, yeah. I feel like that's going to raise his stock just even more. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely think so, man.
2: I, I just think that, like you said, his – not only is he going to test really well, but his mentality, the way he carries himself, how he acts as a teammate, as a leader. He's one of the captains on this football team for a reason. He's a leader among that offense. He's a leader amongst the entire team. I think NFL scouts look at that stuff a lot more than they look at just how fast did you run a 40 or what was your shuttle time or or, or whatever. They look at what kind of man you are as well, not just what kind of football player you are and Jaden Daniels is one of the best Complete. teammates, yeah. one
0: yeah. of the best leaders
1: that I've seen in this program. Yeah, you
0: can tell he has a lot of respect on that Absolutely. team. Absolutely. Yeah, a yeah. lot. Exactly.
1: And, and like you said, like when he went out against Ole Miss, those guys were really hurt because they knew how much Jaden Daniels was doing for them. So yeah. it, it would have been the same way if the defense didn't get the stops yeah. needed against Missouri. But Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. continue to prove why they're the best one-two in the nation. Yep. How huge will they have to be against Auburn, a team with a really talented defense every year? It doesn't matter what coach they have, but obviously you saw what they did against Georgia. Just talk about you know how big they're going to have to be this week, yeah,
2: I mean, I know Georgia's back being hip now because they put fifty one points up yeah. on Kentucky, but there's still I don't think that that's a great Georgia offense, yeah um like you said though, Auburn is still a really talented defense, and this is a really talented Auburn team in general um. They're going to have to do a lot of work on the outside, but I think where LSU has really gone under the radar but has been really good in this aspect has been running the ball up the middle and has been using Logan Diggs really well. I want to say he had close to 180 last week against Missouri, um, and and he's been playing great football in the past couple weeks. And I think if LSU can continue to really run the ball, then – Brian Thomas Jr. and Malik Neighbors will get theirs no matter what.
0: Yeah, I was going to say just that. I feel like Logan Diggs is going to be the key to the way this game opens up for LSU, especially on the offensive side of things. I know Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. have, you know, we've seen what they've done throughout this season, but their games can only open up if the running game is working the way it's supposed to. So I think a lot of that is going to fall back on how these guys are holding up on that front line, and are yep. they imposing their will?
1: Yeah, and that's really the biggest question is, can can the offensive line stay disciplined for Jaden to make those throws that he needs to? But I, I think for Jaden Daniels to continue that insane play-up, I think Malik and Brian Thomas are going to have to continue to play those insane, like, just really good performances. Yeah. I thought they did really well this weekend, specifically not trying to do too much, um, but they got open when else you needed them most. That was really what you saw. Uh, you saw them also just prove why they're the best receiver yeah. duo in the nation I think they're just going to have to continue to get open in ways whether that's you know with a downfield shot or just creating yeah. separation for, yeah. or for like five yards down the field yeah. anything is going to help man you just got to take what's given to you yeah and, and I think that's really what's important against a team like Auburn who's going to try and you know stop the big plays yeah they're
2: going to be gritty they're going to yeah. force you they're going to make you earn everything that you're going to get because yeah. they know that they don't necessarily have the guns to keep up with LSU but you know, they're they're going to be gritty. They're going to make you earn everything. And like we were talking about Logan Diggs being a really big part, I don't think that Neighbors and Thomas are the only receiving threats. Right, I thought Mason Taylor had a really good game mm-hmm. against Missouri. thought he was back to being fully healthy and fully involved in this offense yep, yep. again. Kyron and I Lacey. think Kyron Lacey had another good game. I think that those two will really have to be involved for this team to succeed.
0: Yeah, I agree, and I'm not really worried. I'm pretty sure – yeah, this the, the yeah. they're going to find a way to draw something up to get these guys. In- we will so score I'm not, points. I'm not yeah, worried.
1: yeah, I think it all comes down to Denbrock, um, just being creative with guys. I, I think yeah. he he's done a really good job. Um, this the past you know three games, uh, in particular, of getting those guys really involved in the offense. And, and if he can continue to do that, LSU is going to be just fine. Yeah. But like you said, I, I would rather see you know more not balance, but I would like to see Mason Taylor be more utilized just be- especially vertically and, i think yeah he's
2: a bigger threat vertically than we're using him as
1: because you know if you use him vertically then it allows guys like neighbors and thomas to go long too i mean you have yeah. to test some of their guys yeah but this past defense uh this past weekend's defense was still bad but still forced two turnovers all in all so what will it take for them down the stretch to do enough to win games like that in the past
2: I mean, in the second half, you gave up 14 points and created a turnover, which sealed the game in a pick six. If LSU can continue to do that in the second half, even if you get beat like a drum for the first 30 minutes of the game, if you go into the locker room, you make an adjustment, and you come out better, you force some stops, you create some turnovers, you'll win a lot more football games because we don't need you to be elite. We don't even need you to be good. We just, just need, need you, you to, to be average. Okay, yes.
1: We just need yeah. you to
2: be okay, be a be a bump in the road, create turnovers, create problems, and that's what they did. Brady Cook, the quarterback from Missouri, threw almost 400 pass attempts without an interception. interception he yeah. had two picks on Saturday against yep. LSU. Yep. You, you got to keep doing stuff like that. Yep.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And you can really tell that they went and made some adjustments in halftime because, like you said, that Missouri offense just was not the same offense that we saw in the first half as they were in the second half. And I think that they're just gonna have to win the turnover battle. That was the thing, big thing last year mm-hmm. was that was what was what kept us in a lot of games yep. and kept a lot of things close is you could always depend on them to have some type of timely turnover. It just yep. it never failed. So I think as long as they can force a turnover or two each game, mm-hmm. let alone get a stop, but just force a turnover to each game, I think they're gonna give this offense chance to just go rack up points and not have to worry about playing catch up so much.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I I think if LSU wants to win, you know, bigger games down the stretch in SEC play, it's going to take their defense. Like, I know it sounds simple, but just getting off the field. On third downs, they've been horrible. Um, I know it sounds simple, but like we said, third down defense has been really brutal for this LSU team. And if they can find a way to just kind of prevent everything past the yellow line and just kind of close in, you know. up, Just
2: keep it in front of the sticks. Yeah,
1: keep it in front of the sticks and just – Watch the big plays. I mean, the big plays are what is really killing you. Yeah, Yeah. Um, You know, allow all that. You know, make them beat you in that way. Um, But that's really where they need to improve as a defense. But what little things did you see the LSU defense do better? I I know that Pete Pete Jenkins emphasized tackling um, this past week, but what did you kind of see?
2: Yeah, and just an interesting point on Pete Jenkins. Pete Jenkins didn't even get around the team until Tuesday. And yeah. you played on Saturday. Yeah. That's only three full days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, of actually being able to do anything. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see what these guys, what they look like with a full week with Pete Jenkins. Because yeah, like you said, yeah. the I open field tackling intense. was better. I thought the intensity was up. Yeah. I thought the physicality was up. It almost felt like Pete Jenkins told these guys, hey, we're we're LSU. Like, Let's carry ourselves like it. And, and I understand that that sounds so trivial to say, but it matters. That yeah, swagger man. matters. That intensity does, matters. And I thought Pete Jenkins brought a lot of that. He was even getting in on the referees when Brian Kelly was mad about. He was mad about some call at the goal line, and Pete Jenkins is right behind him <laughs> cussing the ref out. Yeah, I like that, man. That's more intensity. That's more physicality. For an Dude, eighty-two
1: year old man to do that. Eighty-two. You know, still
2: getting after it. He still loves it, yeah. and he still loves
1: LSU. And, and your defense, you know, seeing an eighty-two year. 82-year-old man doing that on the sideline for you, for the young yeah. guys on your team, that should pump you up in Absolutely. some way. Like, I, I feel like, I mean, if it doesn't, you know, what does pump you up at that point? But what do you think, Jaden?
0: Yeah, I think they did a much better job of just getting a little bit of pressure from the quarterback, and more specifically Mason Taylor. We talked about him on the Sunday show. Just, you know, when is he going to get involved? I saw him really finally get involved and finally really just be in the mix of things and just make himself seen on the field. So, That's what they did. Tackling was much better. Oh, my gosh. I can't emphasize that enough. So, yeah, as long as they, like you said, keep everything in front of them and get off of the field. Your offense will do the rest. They'll carry you the rest of the way. I promise.
1: Yeah, they will. And and I actually saw LSU, like we said, improve with their open field tackling. I know I didn't see many, like, crazy plays where they just kind of busted. There was a a few, but that was more gap. Yeah. Gap problems, that was guys not getting into the bad, right gaps. It was
2: bad run fits. Yeah,
1: that was what it was. I don't think it was missed tackles in that in that sense. But I thought after watching them tackle against Ole Miss, huge step. Huge step that Absolutely. they took. And, and, and as far as the busted coverages, there wasn't too, too much of that. Um, obviously, with a guy like Luther Burden, it started off rough, but they held him to 40 yards in the second half, yeah. which was really impressive in my opinion. I also thought, like you said, uh, and in the defensive line did better in terms of pressuring this week. They lined up closer to the ball. It's amazing what you can do. Uh, we finally saw Mason Smith. You know, uh, yeah. like you said, get involved, and it was it was nice to see. Um, but that's pretty much it. I mean, yeah. with the talk surrounding Jaden Daniels, give me give me your guys' top four Heisman candidates to get the invite to New York. Yeah, just at the end of the season. I'm
2: gonna go ahead and go. It, you know, Caleb Williams is kind of the shoe in guy to get invited yeah, yeah. to New York as long as. He doesn't get injured, knock on wood. I hope that doesn't happen. Um, I think he's locked in to go. Yeah, pretty much. Michael Penix Jr., quarterback from Washington, has been a phenomenal man. Like, Washington looks like a legitimate college football playoff contender. Um, I'd give Jaden Daniels an invite, yeah. and that's just because of how highly I think of him. And also, I would like to give, this might be a little bit of a deep cut, especially after they lost this week, the running back from Texas, Mm -hmm. whose name slips my mind right now, but he acts just like Bijan. He runs just like Bijan. He's absolutely unbelievable. I think he had 165 yards and two touchdowns Mm -hmm. against Oklahoma. And he is just a monster, man. Whenever I watch him run, he is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah,
0: mine's pretty much similar except for one guy, I think. I'm, I'm going Michael Penix, Jr., I'm going to put Jaden Daniels in there just because of – I cannot ignore his numbers, man. I mean, he's doing this on the grandest of stages. And I can't think of a time where a guy had numbers like this and just didn't get invited, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, I'm going to throw Caleb Williams in there. I mean, the numbers back it up, and plus he's already got that bias from last year. And I'm going to throw in Dylan Gabriel, man. I really like the Mm, way he performed in that Mm. win against Texas, man. That was a huge win. Uh, nearly 1,900 passing yards, six in the country, six in the country, 16 touchdowns, tied for third in the country, and five rushing touchdowns as well. Man, so he can get it done with his legs on the ground yep. too.
1: Yeah, my advice right now, uh, pretty similar to you guys. Is uh, obviously Caleb Williams. I mean, what he's yeah. doing, like you, you watch the teams that he's facing. It's like, yeah, um, you know, he's packing the stats, but also it's the way that he improvises, man. Yeah, the way that he makes something out of nothing, it, it's amazing to watch. Uh, Michael Penix, like you said, is. is Playing better than any quarterback right now. Yeah. And, and he's playing like less quarters than everybody. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much a game if you counted all the games, blowouts that he's been in. Then Jaden Daniels. um But the surprise guy that I have right now is Brock Bowers. And that's only because without him, Georgia really struggles on offense. Yeah, and, and, and it's so apparent. He just sparks that team like it's nothing. It, it, it's like every time he gets, you know, on the field, right. they don't know how to count for him. And they watch film on this guy, so yeah. it's just really cool to watch.
2: Yeah, I mean – and He's their X Factor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And just to round it off, the Texas running back whose name I just found again, Jonathan Brooks. dude has got 726 rushing yards, which leads all running yeah. backs in the Power 5, six touchdowns, 6.7 yards of carry.
1: And I know, like, obviously people call it a quarterback – word now but yeah. that, but that's gonna it, it sucks that, that wins you football It, it sucks. no what sucks though is that that's gonna go unnoticed Absolutely. right and, yeah. and it shouldn't because Especially with a guy like Quinn Ewers next time. yeah and, and then you talk about Brooks but also Kentucky's running back right now yeah. 688 yards yeah. on the ground um uh, but Davis yeah very good very good but uh moving on to the New Orleans Saints they shut out the New England Patriots on Sunday by a score 34 to nothing handing New England their worst loss at home ever um what a turnaround for the saints this weekend on offense 304 total off total yards from the offense which may not seem like a lot but it's it's a step up from last week so what kind of improvements did you see from this offense creativity wise and then should Pete Mark Carmichael kind of get a little praise?
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll show him some love. I mean, it's hard to win in the NFL. It's hard to score points in the NFL, yeah. even against a bad team. I don't think New England is very good at all. I think no. they're top five pick bad, if I'm being <laughs> honest with you. they're bad. But you still have to play well to be able to score points in the National Football League. It felt like Derek Carr was finally getting healthy. It felt like Alvin Kamara was definitely getting back into the swing of things. Definitely. And Pete Carmichael, man, it, it, he, he threw in some nice play calls i got to be honest. He's throwing us some nice play calls. We'll go ahead and shut down the
0: hotline until a couple weeks.
1: Yeah, we'll be back. Don't worry. Oh, we'll be, we'll back. be back, Pete.
0: Yeah, I really saw just uh, more decision-making on Derek Carr's part, better decision-making a little bit, yeah. and really just giving these receivers an opportunity to go and make a play on the ball. And I know Chris Olave missed those two deep balls, which I'm still kind of mad about because I just figure – In my mind, he's the wide receiver. I mean, he catches him. He just doesn't get the feed in. Yeah, it's like you got to know where you're at. You got to catch that. So that's what I saw this week from the offense. Uh, I hope to see more of that. I hope they they don't just forget how to do that. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I feel like if they can at least just play like a football team and play like they're capable of doing these types of things on a week-in and week-out basis – I think they're going to win more games than if they don't do that, of course.
1: Yeah, I can't believe I'm saying this so early, but the Saints did a great job in terms of being creative this week. I guess Pete Carmichael knew the heat he was in, uh, so it just took his job security for him to go out (laughs) and and actually do his job. So um, I thought the the offense implemented some motions for the first time that we haven't seen, and the Saints were really successful in that aspect. We also saw the Saints just able to run the ball better and effectively this week. Um, I still think the pass game needs to improve, but it's doing enough to win ball games, so yeah. I can't really complain too much. But down the down the road, you're going to have to get better, Oh yeah. Um, especially in terms of getting the ball out quicker. I think that's the only issue that I have with Carr right now. But the offensive line issues are still apparent, but how can the offense kind of work around those issues?
2: It's just about getting the ball out quick. I mean, if you're going to throw the ball, it needs to be short, intermediate routes or some sort of play action that gets the defense fold if you want to go deep. Um, But Derek Carr's got to start getting the ball out quicker, three seconds or less, you know, because this offensive line isn't going to be able to give you all day. Yeah. Get the ball out quick. They're decent in run, in run protection, I find. When they can get downhill and put a hat on a hat, they're okay. But the pass pro is really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, So it's just about getting the ball out quicker.
1: Yeah, Jaden, what do you think? Yeah, I
0: agree. They're going to have to get the ball out quicker. And I know Alvin Kamara, you know, leaking out of the backfield is going to, make up for a little bit of that offensive line and how bad it is. But yeah. overall, like you said, you got to get the ball out quicker. You only have three seconds to get the ball out in the NFL, and the plays typically last from three to five seconds. Yeah, anyway. yeah. And, so,
1: I, and I think with, like, creativity, I mean, Pete Carmichael can implement Kendra Miller into the flats in the passing game like we saw him be used this past weekend, and, and then also allow your offensive line to get used to those motion plays that you haven't really run since, you know, practice or camp what it seems like, but I also think that you should allow the guards to kind of pull yeah. uh, and pull them in and order to kind of run the ball effectively.
2: We ran some screens as well, letting some offensive linemen yeah. leak out in the space and, and these feel are... like football players again. Yeah. You know, we They're got versatile. A- we got athletic offensive linemen. Eric McCoy's a good athlete. So good. Cesar Ruiz, Andrews Pete, mm-hmm. James Hurst, they're good athletes. Let them get out in the space and be athletes. Yep.
1: And the Saints' defense has been very solid this year, but what has kind of been your biggest surprise on this side of the ball?
0: On the defensive side? Yeah uh the secondary for me as a Saints fan I don't know what it is but it always seems like the secondary just is never up to par with the rest of the defense but more specifically Alante Taylor the way he came out and just has really implemented himself into the secondary and been that number two corner to Marshawn Lattimore
1: yeah
2: yeah I mean for me you know it's nice to see Alante Taylor but that's not where I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with the defensive line that was the biggest question mark I had about the Saints defense coming in especially from a depth yeah, and, and just Young. a just a talent perspective, yep. if I'm being honest with you. But Carl Granderson has continued to play out of his mind, even though it seems like the Saints keep trying to replace him. He still plays phenomenally. Yeah, I thought Malcolm Roach, Brian Brzee on the inside have had good years so far this year. And Cam Jordan just keeps aging like a fine yeah. wine. He keeps doing his job in yeah. the run fits. He He's just keeps, dependable, man. Yeah, always. He's always there. And, and he just, like I said, aging like a fine wine. I had a lot of questions about this defensive line coming in. They've answered every single one I've had. They've been great.
1: Yeah. And for me, I mean, the biggest surprise to me so far on the defense has been how quickly Paulson Adebo has been able to get used to that nickel position. I think he originally played, you know, regular corner. And for guys like him, it's usually really apparent in a position change like that. It's not easy to go from cornerback to nickel, especially in a scheme. Um, it's pretty complicated what Dennis Allen kind of brings. But he's been solid all year, Especially really. Especially
2: for the nickel corner. It's yeah, a very complicated exactly. position when you watch it.
1: Yeah, and as far as other guys, I mean, Marshawn Lattimore has just been locked down. It's not, It doesn't surprise me, but it's expected at this point for him. And guys, like you said, Carl Granderson has really impressed me. But I think what Paulson Adibo has been doing, it hasn't been getting talked about enough. He's just been solid.
2: I think it helps, though, that he's a naturally physical corner. Yeah. It, like, you saw that when he was coming out of Stanford. He's a physical guy. He likes to jam guys up at the line. That really benefits when you're playing that nickel spot because Dennis Allen likes a lot of nickel pressures off the edge as well. It really helps that he's just a naturally strong physical corner.
1: Yeah, but I just – for me, I just didn't expect him to be so dependable in that position change. So fast. So fast. Yeah. And, and that's really impressed me so far. It just shows – how versatile he is uh, as a corner. But what do you expect from this team moving forward? Does it change from last week? I know I, I know that you played the Patriots, right? So, I mean, you still have to win. Yeah, games but on the stretch. like we said last week, winning cures all. It I does. feel a lot
2: better about the Saints on this podcast than I did on last week's podcast where we called seven eight for eight everybody's head and for only seven or eight wins. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to jump too far because I still think there's a lot of problems. I'm going to say eight, nine. Mm -hmm. But it's still the same kind of range for me.
0: Yeah, so their next five games, they have the Texans, Jags, Colts, Bears, Vikings. I think if we lose, it's going to be to the Jags. Yeah, that's fair. And maybe the Texans, just because the Saints are so wishy-washy, man. But I feel like from moving here on out, I think they're going to win way more games than they're going to lose. and. Who knows? Maybe we were being a little bit dramatic. Maybe we were jumping the gun. Yeah. Maybe you know. I don't know. It It, it, know, happens, man. it was bad. Saying. I still. Like, it was really bad yeah, for a little bit. Yeah,
1: like for me, it still comes down to if the Saints can be productive on offense. I think yeah. with the Saints' schedule, it, it's possible to win ten games, but I'm going to go for. I'm going to go with nine for now until I see those offensive improvements against better teams. That's that's where I'm kind of standing. But shifting to the MLB, the playoffs have just arrived. That's the best baseball, in my opinion, Um, playoff baseball. So let's give our predictions for the ALCS and NLCS as well as the World Series champs. So right now we have the ALCS, but the DS is going on right now. It's almost done, but, Andon, give me your ALCS prediction.
2: Yeah, uh, Rangers commanding lead over the Orioles right now. They are probably actually going to start soon at the time we're recording this. Um, And then Minnesota and the Astros have split their series one-to-one. I'm going to go with an all-Texas ALCS. I'm going to go Rangers-Astros. Um, I just think the Rangers are, are really hot right now. Mm-hmm. They were hot early. They kind of fell off the wagon, gave the division to the Astros. but They're back hot again, and yeah. the Astros just have so much experience, man. Yeah. They are always there. They're always persistent. So I'm going to go with an all-Texas ALCS. I like it. What are you going with,
0: Jen Yeah, that's what I said, too. I said Rangers and Astros. picking the Astros just because, like you said, a little bit of that championship pedigree. I know people don't really – like to accredit a lot of the wins and stuff to that. But I think that stuff goes a long way, man, especially when yeah. you're playing far into the postseason. I mean, look at the Warriors. Like, yeah. I,
1: I don't want to, like, cross, you know, each, cross yeah. both of them. But, like like you said, the experience yeah. Been and there, and, and, and knowing how to win, it, yeah. and it just becomes natural to you. Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't phase you at some point.
0: Exactly, yeah. And so for my NLCS, I'm going to go the Braves and the Diamondbacks.
1: I like that, yeah. Um, For the ALCS, so for, I'm going to agree with both of you guys. I'm going to say the Rangers and Astros. I think it could be Rangers-Twins, but I think the Astros are going to kind of wake up. I think the Rangers have been really the team that stood out all year, in my opinion. They haven't been playing their best ball last month, but I think the Astros are start- starting to kind of find their identity at the right time. If they can pitch well, they're going to find ways to win. But um, NLCS, Andon, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I'm going to go Braves, I think, after that game last night. Um Come back from down 4-0, yeah, yeah, Austin Riley with a clutch two-run home had, run to take you the guys, lead.
1: You guys got to see my reaction. Yeah, I, I mean, afraid. it was
2: it was momentum shifting, to say the yeah, least, especially yeah. in Philadelphia. A mini
1: earthquake. I think— The uh, truest, bro.
2: Yeah, I think the Braves are going to hold on. They're going to win that series. I think the Diamondbacks are going to put the Dodgers away. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go in with Arizona-Atlanta in the NLCS.
1: Yeah, and Jaden kind of agree with that. As far as the NLCS, I'm also going to agree with guys. I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go Braves Diamondbacks. At the time of recording, the Braves have really been struggling. Diamondbacks have shown they can hit off the Dodgers' pitching, but my gut, it's telling me to go with the Diamondbacks. I think this will actually go the length. I think it goes five games. I think. I think that the Dodgers are going to finally wake up. They look dead right now, obviously, yeah. but um, those guys. Like you said, the Dodgers have always been there, done that. Um, so I'm going to go with them. As far as the Braves, I think last night's win really just puts them in the momentum. Oh yeah, I think that's just crazy. But for the world, give me your World Series prediction.
0: I'm going to go Braves, and then I'm going to go Astros. I think. Part I think the two? Braves going to. Yeah, I think the Braves are going to do it, but uh, momentum is a scary thing, man. Know that the last thing you want to do, especially in give, baseball, yeah, especially in baseball, man. Momentum can take teams a lot of a long way in places that they probably wouldn't be, you know, had they not had it. So, I'm picking the Braves to win this one,
2: yeah. I think the Braves took all of the win that was in the Philly sales because Philly seemed like the hottest team in baseball yeah. after game one. I think they took all that win. Um, so I'm gonna go with the Braves, uh, to beat the Diamondbacks in the NLCS. I'm going to go with the Rangers to beat the Astros. I, I think it, it just comes down to who gets hot at the right time.
0: Yeah, and my Rangers. World
2: Series champion is your Texas Rangers I love in six
1: it. games. Um, I'm going to – dude, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think for the World Series, give me the Rangers, Braves. I think this one goes the length, and I think the Rangers win it all just with them playing their best baseball right now. Yeah. And it certainly comes it's from – about who gets hot. The worst part for the Braves is that they're pitching right now. Their pitching is starting to kind of find a, a thing where they're like, hey – uh, I forgot that we can pitch, A- and they don't know what to do. And so Charlie Morton is your Game 3 starter, I think, tomorrow night, and he hasn't pitched in two weeks, so that's really yeah. the biggest question. But for them, I think as far as consistency yeah. in starting pitching, the Rangers have just been there all year. Um, but finally, let's give our it's time for the best segment in, in all of podcast history guys uh it is time for the poopoo Bruce art of the week let's go this goes out to the worst performance of the week whether that's a coach fan group or anyone worthy so give me yours jaden start it off start off hot uh
0: kai jones <laughs> you know for those who don't know out there who this guy is this guy is or should i say was a member of the was charlotte hornets of the national basketball association um over the past few months, this guy's just really just kind of been beside himself, you know, posting videos of himself in what appears to be intoxicated slash, you know, drugged or whatever. I don't know what it is. Posting Jones, these cryptic man. messages on
1: social media. He's turning <laughs> into uh, Prime Cam Newton, it seems, on. Prime huh? Cam Newton. No, Prime AB. <laughs> Prime, A- A-B. A-B. Prime, Prime AB. Prime AB. Prime C-T-A. Chandler Jones? Yeah.
0: And then, for the cherry on top, yesterday, he tweets... <laughs> I have requested a trade from the Charlotte Hornets. Now, I'm not a officially. genius officially, officially, officially requested a you trade. Know, so we a know trade. it's real. Not a genius, but I'm pretty sure that's not how that works. But um, yeah, he just threw away his career. So yeah, he's There's gonna be
1: that. working on White Castle soon. <laughs>
0: that's horrendous,
2: man. That is awful.
1: Yeah, Andre. Uh, for me uh, this week, I'm gonna go uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, this was a year where they had even larger expectations than usual, and I'm not going to lie; I was a victim of giving them that, the I mean, hype, giving them up, that hype. To the hype. I mean, look at it; they they look good in the first three weeks, and then when you have a game with the best team in the NFL right now, where your defense has been lights out, if when you're the Dallas Cowboys, and they go out and perform the way they did. This just shows me that the Cowboys are indeed not back, and Dak Prescott cannot play against an elite defense yep. or a functioning defense or just a defense. <laughs> um, and what, 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 I know – Boys – Yeah, we know what this is. We knew this is the biggest one of the week. Boys, I
2: want you to think back to Saturday night, all right? Yeah. Miami, Florida.
1: ACC Network. ACC Network. <laughs>
2: the Miami Hurricanes the the mighty Miami Hurricanes U- are playing the lowly Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets this Miami team was up 20 to 17 with about 2 minutes and 30 seconds left yep all you got to do is get a couple of first downs you burn the clock out you, you get go what's home. called the victory formation and you get to go home
0: yep
1: you get
2: to go home and you win
1: yep and stay undefeated by the way
2: Mario Cristobal, head coach, decides that instead of kneeling the clock out, victory formation, that's the whole point, victory formation. He goes out in the shotgun. He goes. (laughs) (laughs) He gets into the shotgun. Yeah. And he decides to run the football. Now, of course, what can go wrong will go wrong. Will go wrong, yeah. He fumbles the running back fumbles i can't think of his name right now but the poor kid fumbles he shouldn't have had the ball to begin with all right but he fumbles georgia tech picks the ball up we have about 30 seconds left on the clock all right they got the ball in my territory what if
1: you know (laughs) let's
2: just go out and get a stop maybe they missed the field goal we still win all right nope Miami decides to have probably the biggest blown coverage I've seen in a couple of weeks.
1: Like, how are you not playing prevent defense? (laughs) They had a six seconds left in the game.
0: This just sounds too good at
1: midfield. Georgia
0: Tech
2: throws a deep shot. Wide open touchdown with two seconds left on the clock. Give
1: me the Titanic music. Put it in the Louvre. They win
2: the game. Georgia Tech wins only their second game this year. They're two and four. A freebie, and Miami handed it to them on a silver platter. Mario Cristobal, Miami Hurricanes football. The U. Warren Sapp, Ed Reed would be ashamed to see yeah. what Miami football has become. Yeah,
1: you are my poopoo broussard of the week, Mario Cristobal. And that, I mean, not only the first fool me once, shame on me. But Cristobal, this was his second time doing this. second
2: time he's done it. (laughs) Second time. And the sad part is he made his offensive coordinator fall on the sword for it. He made the offensive coordinator go out and say, yeah, I called it. No, you didn't.
1: (laughs) This is a head coach thing, bro. And this is why Mario Cristobal will never win a national championship. Couldn't do
2: it at Oregon. Not going to do, do it in Miami. Miami.
1: You're not going to do it anywhere. You're not even going to do it in retro ball. So that will <laughs> do it here for us today. Um, thanks to Anna Brabham and Jaden Smith for joining me today. I'm your host, Andre Champagne, and this has been the Hodges Huddle.